Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're doing our special Q&A session, which is a great opportunity for us to answer listener questions live on a podcast episode. So if you're interested in submitting a question to a future podcast episode, go to taxsavingspodcast.com, click podcast on the top, and then go to the bottom and you can submit your question and you never know. Your question may be on our next Q&A session. So let's dive right into the questions that were asked for this week. The first question we want to talk to is from Emily. And, and she said, can I pay my kids under 18 through my S-Corp with a W-2 paid through my payroll? Or should I set up a family management company, sole proprietorship, and pay them through that? The second option seems like so much more work. Why not just pay straight through the S-Corporation? So let's, let's address this topic. You can pay your kids through your business, through your S-Corporation, or a sole proprietorship. Sole proprietorship, family management company, whatever it is. The problem with paying your kids through an S-corporation if they're under the age of 18 is that you're going to have to withhold for Social Security and Medicare tax, federal unemployment, state unemployment. That's going to be roughly 15%. If you pay your kids through a sole proprietorship, family management company, you do not, and they're under 18, they're direct dependents, you don't have to withhold for Social Security tax, Medicare, federal unemployment, state unemployment. And so that is why we highly recommend doing a family management company instead of paying them through your S-corporation. And essentially how that works is, let's say your kids are doing janitorial services for your business. You would have your S-corp, you would set up a family management company that's just a sole proprietorship. You don't have to do anything with the state. You just basically go down, get a bank account opened up for this new sole proprietorship that's going to do janitorial services. Your S-corp, would pay your sole proprietorship, your sole proprietorship pays your children. Now, again, so let's go through that again. If you're paying your children out of an S-Corp, you need to withhold for Social Security, Medicare, federal unemployment, state unemployment, and that's just a little bit over 15%. If you're paying them out of sole proprietorship, you do not have to withhold for those items. And that's why if we're hiring our kids with an S-Corporation, we recommend using a family management company to help avoid those self-employment taxes, that's Social Security, Medicare, et cetera. So, the comment of why not just pay them straight through the S corporation, that family management company seems like so much more work. Again, nothing wrong with paying them through the S corporation. It's just going to cost you more money than necessary. The family management company sole proprietorship really isn't much work. All you need to do is have a bank account open for a sole proprietorship that does services. Again, S corp hires your sole proprietorship, your sole proprietorship then hires your children, thus not having to pay social security and Medicare taxes. We have a whole article on hiring your kids and kind of where that comes into play to check out. The next question I have is Michelle. And she said, I have a product-based business and at times I have to pay for a portion of the, of the shipping costs. Am I able to claim that as a deduction on my taxes? Also, can you claim your website fee and app fees for websites as a deduction? Yes and yes. Of course, the shipping, if you have a product, you're paying for shipping, that's of course a business expense, no doubt about it. If you have a website in, in an application, different software that you're using for your business, absolutely, those are tax deductions, of course. Linda asked, I'm looking for a way to maximize deductions for a golf team sponsored by my small business. 
Am I to understand the fees associated with weekly play are not deductible, but if I supply logos on the t-shirts for the team that I can deduct those expenses? Same goes for logos on golf balls and caps. How about if I put a logo on my golf cart? Can I deduct the storage of the cart, trail fees, gas, maintenance, et cetera, for the cart? Are there other things that I can deduct? Okay, so let's, let's look at this. If you're sponsoring a golf team, a baseball team, whatever it might be, that sponsorship, assuming that you have your logo, you're getting representation from it, it's an advertising ploy for your business. That sponsorship is a business deduction. So what is involved in that sponsorship? You know, what, is, what do you need to do to have that team be a sponsor of yours? And are you going to pull business from it? So we can't just go sponsoring all these different things that we have no intention to, to gain business from. But assuming that this is an advertising play, of course, if you put your logo on T-shirts, you put your logo on baseball caps, those, that, those T-shirts, those baseball caps, those are going to be tax deductible. Put a logo on a golf cart. Logo's deductible. Is the golf cart used for business purposes? If, it's, if the business purpose is just to drive around a golf course, that wouldn't be considered a business deduction for that golf cart. But the logo could definitely be uh, a business deduction that you're putting on there. So you have to be careful here. Again, when we look at expenses for a business, it has to be ordinary and necessary. Ordinary in your line of business and necessary for that type of work. As long as we have documentation then to support how that is supporting your business as an advertising fee, that would be deductible. So again, be careful here. We want to make sure that if you're sponsoring, is it truly a sponsorship? What does that sponsorship mean? Golf, in general, if you take a client to go golfing, that golf is not a business deduction. That's entertainment, no longer deductible. If you take a client, you have meals out on the course. The meals are deductible as a business expense, but again, the golf would not be because that's considered entertainment. But what you're talking about is differently. You're not taking a client out, you're sponsoring a team. And I think a good way to look at this is let's say you're sponsoring a softball team. You know, that softball team, in order to get entered into the league, has an entry fee. And then throughout the league, it's your name. You know, XYZ business is the team name. You're getting recognition from that. That's all deductible. If you're providing them with shirts, that's deductible. Hopefully that helps. You know, we just need to be careful, make sure it's ordinary or necessary. Make sure that we have the support to prove that this is a business deduction and not for your own use for entertainment. We have a question from April. She said, I just discovered your podcast. Great listening so far. Thank you. And Thanks for listening in April. For all those of you listening, you know, we'd appreciate if you leave us a, a review on wherever you may listen to our podcast, whether it's Apple iTunes. Uh, the reviews just help us get the information that we want to share with small business owners out to more and more people. So all you listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, but April said, my husband and I both work corporate jobs. Due to the pandemic, he is now 100% remote as his corporate office is now out of state. He has taken our home office as his work office. She said, I also started a small crafting business and work out of the basement on the weekends and I work corporate job during the weekdays. She says, working four days remote in our converted dining room now turned home office. How would an office deduction work in our case? And she puts kind of a summary because there's a lot of things going on here, April. She said, basement nook is 100% side business. Home office, 100% husband work office during the week. Weekends utilized for side business and personal. And three, dining room converted office, 100% remote office, four days a week, not using space as a dining room, but it is a pass-through. Okay, so when we look at home office, it has to be exclusive use. So if there is any personal use, no longer deductible, no longer able to be used as a home office, unless it's a walkthrough. 
And, and an example of a walkthrough is let's say that you have a, a closet, a big walk-in closet that you're going to utilize as a home office. But that walk-in closet is in between your bedroom and your master bathroom. And the only thing being done in that closet is home office work. But in order to get to the bathroom, you have to walk through there. That would still be allowed because you're just using that as a pass-through, but the space is exclusively used for business purposes. So the space has to be used exclusive for business purposes. If so, then that can be deductible. But the one that you have, it says, you know, utilized during the work for business, the weekend's personal, that's going to be not, not deductible at all. But the ones where they're 100% used for business, those, of course, would be. So just make sure you're, you're documenting that. Take pictures of it. You know, could take whatever, you know, the hours that you're spending in there, things like that to help support that. If it's a mix between two different businesses that you're using the same space, take whatever that mix is. If it's 75% for business one and 25% for business two, take 75% of that home office under business one and 25% under business two. So hopefully that has helped a lot going on there. I know you had kind of a, a, a double, a, a, you know, many aspects to that question. Just remember exclusive use uh, is a key part of that home office. We have a question from Brooks. And they said, is it okay to pay my federal and state taxes via the business bank account? They're a single member LLC filed on a form 1040 with a schedule C. Also, any suggestions on how to code it in QBO would be much appreciated. So when you're a pass-through entity, think sole proprietorship, single member LLC, S corporation, all those are pass-through entities. They don't have any federal taxes at, at the business level. It all passes through to you and you pay taxes on the profit of that business on your personal tax return. So any taxes that you have related to the income of that business technically is tax that you're paying for personally. So can you pay for those taxes out of your business bank account? Sure. I have no problem with that. Whether you pay for it out of your business bank account or you transfer it to your personal account and then pay it out of your personal account, it's the same difference to me. The technically correct way would be take it as an owner's distribution, owner's draw, and then pay for those taxes out of the personal account. But if you're paying for it out of the business account, totally fine. The key aspect to that is that if you're paying for another business bank account, it is not a business expense. When you're coding it in QBO, in Zero, whatever software you're using, you're going to be coding that as an owner's draw or a distribution. So that's the key thing. Because it's a personal item, even you're using the business account to pay for it, you need to code as an owner's draw or distribution. It's not an expense to the business. But if you run it through the business, I'm, I'm fine with that. We have a question from Jordan. They said, I run a food truck and we pay a lot of event application fees. Would this be a tax deductible expense? Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be a, a tax deductible expense. Think of it as kind of like your rent. You're, you're paying to be at a location and that in order to run your business, you have to pay that fee to be able to run your business at that location. Absolutely. A business expense, event fees, something like that would be fine on, on the books. We have a question from Tam and they said, first time selecting S-Corp treatment. So hoping to get some guidance on the below questions. One, if I submit the paperwork for the S-Corp election by March 15th, can I start paying myself through payroll even though the IRS may not approve my selection until one, two months later? Who knows? I just want to stop with that question. Yes. When you submit your S-Corp election, assume the IRS is going to accept it. As long as you qualify, the IRS will accept that. If you filled out the form incorrectly, they may spit it back and then you just submit it again 
you need to, if you're fine, filing a regular election or a late election, whatever kind of S-Corp election, make sure you have the form filled out exactly how it's supposed to. And assuming it's filled out properly and you qualify, the IRS will accept it. Now, it may take a while to get that acceptance from the IRS. So as soon as you submit it, just act as if you are going to be accepted. If they kick it back, just resubmit it with whatever edits or requests need to be done. Yes, then, and same thing. Yes, you can start running payroll. The second question was, if I want to pay myself via payroll monthly starting 331, do I need to make an off-cycle payroll for January and February? So with an S-corporation, you're required to take a reasonable salary, as we all know. Now, that reasonable salary, whether you take it once a month, once a quarter, once at the end of the year, it doesn't matter as long as you get a reasonable salary in for the year. So if you're doing a monthly payroll starting, let's just say April 1st is an, is an example here, but you didn't run anything for January, February, or March, you could either from April 1st to the end of the year have an increased monthly payroll to make it reasonable and then go back down starting January 1, or you could run an off-cycle dating it back, you know, run it off cycle on April 1st. So it's an April 1st payday, but you're going to do a, a kind of a catch up payroll for the months that you missed. Whatever you choose is totally fine with you. And a lot of people we do, or a lot of people we, we see, I recommend always doing a regular monthly payroll, just so you're kind of getting that cadence of, of, of running that payroll. But we see a lot of people that just do payroll at the end of the year. So they'll take money out of the business, code it as an owner's draw or distribution, then at the end of the year, they'll say, okay, what's my reasonable salary? I'm going to pay the taxes, run an off-cycle payroll in Gusto, pay the taxes for that reasonable salary. And then the take-home portion, I'm just going to take some money that I took as owner's distributions and draw and just recategorize as wages and salaries. So they're just paying the taxes. They're not actually paying themselves when they run that off-cycle at year-end, but they're just moving some draws that they took into wages and salaries for that take-home portion. Now, that might be a little complicated, might be a little harder to understand. That's why I always say monthly or regular cadence is the easiest way, but there is possibilities that you can definitely run those off cycles. Then the, the third question was, can I also pay myself a low amount to cover living expenses only and catch up with the higher amounts at year end to meet reasonable salary? Absolutely. So, you know, for people that maybe have fluctuating income, they're not really sure where they're going to end up on income. You know, they might just run a, a, a low salary to kind of keep them by what they need. At the end of the year, they're going to run a bonus payroll or an off-cycle payroll to do a catch-up to get them to that reasonable salary amount they need to be. Absolutely fine. And kind of just what I just mentioned is, is a possibility. So yeah, all that makes sense to me, Tam. The next question we have is from Kyle. And he said, what documentation do you need to pay your child in your business? Any recommendations for where to get the paperwork slash software? I know I need timesheets and to form a family management company. Just don't know the specifics of how to do it and what paperwork to keep track of. Anyone have samples of contracts, duties, family management company, timesheets, et cetera? Kyle, that's exactly what we have in our tax minimization program. So documentations you need is, I would say, a job description, employment agreement, uh, a timesheet recording the time that they're putting in, what they're doing, the hours, the pay rate, all that, something to back up that it's a reasonable rate that you're paying your child. Those are some of the things that I would recommend having in their family management company. All you need is a bank account, really, especially if it's a sole proprietorship. You just need a bank account. So it's going from the S-Corp. And this would only be if you have an S-Corp. We talked about that a little bit earlier in this episode. But it goes from the S-Corp, family management company, family management company to your children's accounts. So we have all of that in our tax minimization program. Go to taxsavingspodcast.com. Click join program on the top. 
And in our training within our tax minimization program, we have a section dedicated to hiring your kids with a bunch of templates and sheets and all that type of stuff. So definitely check that out, Kyle. Two more questions, and then we're going to cut it off for today. Question from Matt. I run my business out of my home. We are looking to buy a new house with one of the major requirements being a bigger office space. Can I deduct miles for going to showings and meetings with a realtor? I'm an LLC taxed as a sole proprietorship. Matt, this one would be tough. The miles that you're going with your realtor to see a personal home, I would say not deductible. Could there be a way that you could say, well, a portion of the mileage would be deductible because you know 10% of the place we're looking for is a home office? There could be a battle there. It's not something I'd want to defend. And I don't think the expense, what you get from it would be would make sense enough for that to make sense for you. So I wouldn't mess with that. But what I would say is, you know, when I first read this, I was thinking, can I deduct mileage as a realtor from my house going to different places? I would say that uh, the big advantage of a home office is that when you leave your home now, anywhere you go is for business related. So I love that idea of comboing a home office with mileage. Let's say you have another office and this is kind of a tangent, not related to this question, but let's say you have another office down the road. If you have no home office, when you go from your home to that office, that's a commute, not deductible mileage. But if you have a, a, a home office at home that you do administrative work for and you do administrative work in the morning and you go from your home office now to an office, that's deductible mileage because your commute turned from your bedroom to your administrative office at home. And now you're just going from office to office or office to client or whatever it might be, deductible mileage. So again, not related, but I saw an opportunity to talk about some planning opportunities overall for home offices and thought that would be great. All right, final question for today from Paul. Said, I accidentally used my business debit card for a large personal expense, then personally reimbursed the business when I found out. How would I categorize this in my books? So Paul, since you already reimbursed it, I'm going to talk about what that would look like. When you booked that on your uh, business account, what I would do is I would put it as a, a receivable, shareholder loan receivable. Then when you pay that back, we're saying, okay, we've got that money back. Now we're showing it as paid. We're going to apply it to that same account. In the future, what you could do, and again, we don't want to do this often, but if you accidentally pay for something in the business that's personal related, you can just move it to an owner's draw or a distribution. So you're saying, okay, this is not a business expense. So we're just going to put this as an owner's draw or distribution. That's totally fine. So when you pay for something in the business that's personal related, you have two options. One, before we go to the options, try to avoid this as much as possible. But if it happens, and it will happen, one, you can record as an owner's draw or distribution and move on. Or two, record it as a loan receivable from the shareholder. And then when you pay that loan back uh, as a reimbursement, then you would just close out that loan. But one other thing too, let's flip the coin. Let's say you paid for something business related on your personal account. Well, if you're set up as a, uh, an S corp, we're going to want to use an accountable plan to reimburse yourself from the business for that business-related item that you paid for personally. That's why accountable plans are so valuable, especially for S-Corp owners. If you're a Schedule C, just make note of it and make sure you're taking that on your Schedule C, your single-member LLC, your sole proprietorship, whatever it might be. So for everyone that submitted questions, I just want to say thank you. I absolutely love doing these Q&As. We're going to do them every two months. So be sure to submit your questions. Again, go to taxsavingspodcast.com click podcast on the top and then scroll down to the bottom. There's going to be a little form that you can fill out to submit your question. You never know your question 
might be the next one that we answer live on a Q&A session. So again, thank you for those that have been submitting questions. Really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun for me. I get to answer directly to what the listeners are, are listening to. And just remember, everything that we talked about today, we have a podcast episode about previously. So look back at our podcast episodes on iTunes. Go to our blog, techsavingspodcast.com. Click Learning Center. Do some searches. We have blogs on all of this content. So definitely feel free to look back at a lot of that information as well. And again, if you love what we're doing here, you want to hear more of it, help support us a little bit. Just leave us a review. Leave a comment on wherever you might listen to this podcast, if you're on YouTube, wherever you listen to us there, and check that out. And again, also check out our, our YouTube channel. Not only do we do every episode, we do a live one where it's a audio only. We do a YouTube video. You can find those at TaxSavingsTV.com. And we also do a blog post, TaxSavingsPodcast.com. So if you love what we're doing, I just say, hey, can you please leave us a review? We'd love to be able to reach more small business owners like you providing tax strategies to help open up that window of what is available to you and every other business owner around the country. So thank you for listening to another episode, and I will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.